So what I want to do tonight is I want to remember that I forgot my Bible up on the stage. And uh, I want to... Tonight's going to be a little bit different. We're going to go through a, a short explanation of what baptism is. Then we're going to do our baptisms. And then we're going to go through a short explanation. Or I'm actually going to give a, a gospel presentation, kind of bring it home. Then we're going to explain what taking communion means and, and its significance. And then we'll take communion together for the first time uh, ever in the hangar. And so we're, we're celebrate that. We're excited about that. Um, we've taken communion a lot, but it's always been at a members meeting. And so this is our first time to do it um, here. And so we're excited about that. But I want to begin with, uh, with explaining what baptism is, because there's a lot of confusion about that. Um, and so I guess I need to back up. We try not to be very professional here. We try and keep it pretty formal, but I totally forgot to do my introduction. Um, <laughs> that I stumbled over the last couple of weeks. Uh, my name is Tyler. Sorry, if you're new, my name's Tyler, and I serve as the lead pastor of Outfitter Church. Uh, if you're with us, whether you're here to explore who Jesus is, I'm really glad that you're here. Or whether you're here and you believe in Jesus, you love him, and you came to exalt him tonight, I'm super glad you're here as well. And so whatever brought you here tonight, maybe you're here because one of your friends or a family member is being baptized, thank you for being here. Uh, we're super excited to get to serve with you tonight and to worship the Lord with you tonight. And so um, the first thing I want to say about baptism is that baptism is a symbol, not salvation. Let me throw that first point up there. I know I'm, yeah, baptism is a symbol, not salvation. What's the first? There was another point before that. Thank you. I was like, I know, I just totally got out of order. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. Okay? Baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. Okay? If there's been no inward change, then going into the water means nothing. And so, it's not just my opinion. It, it's what the, Lord, the Word of the Lord says. And so, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. If you don't feel like doing a biblical gymnastics tonight, you're welcome to just look on the screen as the scriptures are there. Also, if you do not have a Bible, on the inside rows of all of these seats are Bibles for you. That is our gift to you from our church. We want you to know that we believe and we stand upon the Word of God, not the Word of man. Uh, and so we want you to have a Bible if you don't have one. That's our gift to you. And before we read, let me pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. God, I'm, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to teach out of your word tonight, and I ask, God, that you would help me to teach well. God, I pray for each of those who are going to speak tonight to share their stories of how you've changed their lives. I pray you'd calm their nerves and help them to speak what you've put on their hearts. God, I pray that you would strengthen our church tonight and that you would save those in here that do not know you as Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that we want to explain about baptism is that baptism is an outward expression of an inward change, okay? In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? So Peter had just preached the gospel. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself, died on the cross for your sins, and he resurrected from the dead. He's the only way to be saved from your sins. 
sins. He just preached that message. And it says, brothers, what must we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, repent, which means to turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent, step one. Step two, be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then we skip down a little bit to verses 41. And it says, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And so what we see, what took place first, they heard the gospel, and they said, they, they recognized that they had crucified the Lord Jesus. And they said, brothers, what should we do? What must we do? We know we're sinners. And he says, step one, repent. And that's a big Bible word that just means turn around. And so you're headed this way in disobedience to God. You hear the gospel that Jesus died for your sins. You need to repent and believe in him. So you turn and you begin walking towards the Lord. You begin walking with the Lord. And so that's what it means. He says to repent. And only after someone has repented do they become baptized. And so we don't want to put the cart before the horse. Baptism isn't something that we do at a specific age. Baptism isn't something we do because uh, that's just what our family does. Baptism is biblically defined as an outward expression of an inward change. That inward change is that you have repented and believed the gospel. Okay, so baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. The other thing that we see is that baptism is a symbol, not salvation. Baptism is a symbol, not salvation. And I think it's also important for us to mention that the word baptism, I'm no Greek scholar, but I do know this word. It's baptizo. Baptizo means to immerse. And so that's why we have a hot tub and not a spray can. Because we believe that the Greek word means to immerse. If someone was, uh, in, in that ancient day, if people were working with wool, they would dye the wool sometimes. And so they would dip the wool inside of the dye, and it would, they would baptizo it. They would baptize it, so immerse it. And so what we see in the scriptures is that the New Testament practices immersion baptism. And so that's why we practice immersion. Because we were buried with Christ in his death, and we were raised to walk in resurrection power. And so that's an important thing. But that was a side note. But baptism is a symbol, not salvation. Look at Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Jesus is on the cross. And he is being crucified between two criminals. One criminal makes fun of him. And he says, if you're the Messiah, take yourself down. And me too. Or us too. And so he's mocking him. But in verse 40, Luke 23, verse 40, it says, But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God, since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly, because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, or then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he told, and he said to him, Truly I tell you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Say, Pastor, what the heck are you reading this passage for? Because the king 
of paradise, heaven, promised this criminal on the cross who now has confessed the Messiah, admitted his sin, and admitted that Jesus is not worthy of dying. And he says, remember me. So he's repenting and putting his faith in Jesus. Jesus sees this take place and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. There are other churches, other denominations, and other religions that teach you. If you are not baptized and you die, you will go to hell. Or, if you're not baptized by a specific sect of religion or denomination, you will go to hell. Or, if you are not baptized, you'll just spend longer amounts of time in purgatory, and, and maybe the prayers of, of your family, or maybe the financial offerings to the church on behalf of your unbaptized soul, you can get out of purgatory a little bit quicker. Guys, none of that is biblical. What you just saw is Jesus himself tell to a criminal who's dying on the cross, who has repented of his sins and believed in Jesus. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. He's going to be in heaven with Christ. He didn't get the wrong. Hey, Romans, I know you're in the middle of torturing and killing me for stealing. Would you be so kind as to let me down so I could be baptized so that I don't go to hell or purgatory? No. God himself was beside me and says, today you'll be with me. And so it's very important for us, especially in Wyoming, knowing our context, it is very important for us to know that baptism is a symbol. It is not salvation. I got a text or I got an email from some random guy. I have no idea who he is. And he just said, "Hey pastor, I found you online. I have a very severe medical condition where I cannot take my oxygen off, let alone go underwater. I am afraid I'm going to go to hell when I die." And I said, "Brother, let the grace of the Lord comfort your heart. Everyone should be baptized who believes in Jesus, but I think Jesus' grace is understandable enough to know that you may not be able to be fully immersed in baptism." Brother, let's get you in up to your neck. It don't matter. You're okay. Baptism is a symbol. It's not salvation. Notice I'm not saying, Pastor, I'm afraid of water. I'm afraid of crowds. No, get over that. You're going to follow Jesus. Come on, jump in this thing. Okay? This is a severe medical condition, so you see what I'm saying. But this brother was truly afraid because some other Christians had taught him or somehow he misinterpreted the Bible that he thought he wasn't going to go to heaven because he couldn't get underwater. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. He calls us to turn from sin and follow him, and that's super hard. And he does demand righteousness and holiness. And that's super hard. But baptism is a symbol of your faith. It's not the saving faith, okay? I wanted to talk about those two things um, because we want baptism to mean something for us. And we want it... We want you to know who's supposed to be baptized and why it's essential. Lastly, the reason that we want to get baptized, I don't have a point for this, but I want to read this passage. It's not on the screen, so just listen with me. In uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus is giving the marching orders to his disciples before he resurrects. He says one other thing after this, but this is the marching orders as well. And he says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus says, that, and again, in the... In the original language, there's, a, there's like HD. The English version still tells the exact same thing that it's saying, but it's not in high def or sometimes even 3D. And so this passage in its original language, when it says make disciples, it means urge people to become followers of Jesus. Okay? And so he says, go therefore and urge people to become followers of Jesus. Now when they respond in yes, baptize them, and teach them to obey all the commands. And so if we were to look at a salvation timeline, you're born and you are born with a sin nature. The moment that you are capable of sinning, we sin. Okay? The moment that we're capable of sinning, we sin. We do things that are against what God's perfect standard is. All of us have done it, myself included. Okay? Up until that point, we are what is called an enemy of the cross, as the, biblical, as the Bible would define. We're an enemy of the cross, an enemy of God, in rebellion to God. God, dead in our sins and trespasses. We hear the gospel, we believe the gospel, we repent, and we are saved. Okay, that's boom. That happens first. Then the next step is we are then baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And after that begins the lifelong journey of learning to obey all that God has commanded. So if we were to look at a salvation timeline, baptism needs to be on the right side of salvation. Okay, so born, rebelled against the Lord, saved, baptized, obey all the commands, and then glorious eternal life in heaven with God when we die or when he comes back. Okay, so there's our salvation timeline, and uh, I just wanted to explain that before. That way we understand what God's teaching on baptism is before you guys get up and share about that. And so, um, having gone through that baptism explanation, now it is time uh, to hear some testimonies and do their baptisms. And so, uh, Joe, if you would go ahead and come on up um, and, and share your story. Give me just a moment, because I need to get my boots off and hop in this thing, okay? Somebody would have told me that I'd be up here four or five months ago and uh, coming to church and being baptized. I would have said no, <laughs> but here I am. It's been a long, long journey for me, and uh, with the help of a friend of mine. Uh, I am blessed to be up here today and to follow Christ. And I always thought I would never need help, wouldn't need help from anybody. And here I am quoting scripture verses, Psalms 121 verse 2, from my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And I never, never believed that until four months ago and it has been an amazing journey to be up here today and I am thankful and blessed to be here it, 
and I'm looking forward to seeking more. It's kind of like your favorite episode on TV. You're, you can't wait till that next episode. <laughs> and that is all I have. God bless. Thank you. Amen. Come on in, brother. All right. And, um, Joe, Anthony invited Joe to Beast Feast. If you don't know, Beast Feast is like my baby. Uh, it's our outdoorsman's evangelistic outreach every year. I love everything our church does, but I really love giving away guns and barbecue and seeing men come to Christ. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, Joe, you came to Beast Feast, and then I remember, brother, you sat right there with the Waters family for four weeks in a row, locked in. And I knew there was some things in your heart and mind that you were processing. And then you told me that you said, yep, I've considered the gospel. I've sinned against God, and I've asked him to forgive me of my sins. I'm following him now. You've begun reading the scriptures. You've begun uh, a completely changed life. Uh, and we're absolutely amazed uh, to share that with you and to celebrate that with you. So, uh, church, this is where we get interactive. I'm going to ask him some questions, and he's going to say yes. And then you're, I'm going to ask you some questions, and then you're going to respond with the loudest yes you can. Okay? All right, great. Um, Joe, have you repented of your sins and followed Jesus? Yes. Do you commit to following Jesus the rest of your life? Yes. Amen. Joe, do you make a covenant with Outfitter Church to be discipled by us and make disciples with us. Yes. Amen. In church, do you make a covenant with Joe to disciple him and to help him make disciples with us? Yes. Amen. All right, brother, you can be seated. I'm going to come down with you and try not to shock myself. All right. Joe, because of your public profession of faith in Christ Jesus, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried in likeness of his death, and raised to walk in new life. <laughs> Amen, brother. Love you. In Acts 3, 19, 20, Therefore, repent and turn back, so that your sin may be wiped out. That season of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Messiah. And Trent. Hello, everybody. There's a... Few more people here than I was hoping for. <laughs> Taryn, will you go ahead and turn Ashley's mic so, all the way off? I got this all written down the other day and it just kind of flowed out and I'm not going to deviate from it because it uh, does a pretty good job. So I'm just going to dive in. I was never known as a bad guy, but I've always felt that I was missing something in my life. I gained the reputation of the life of the party while in high school. I moved to Casper two weeks after getting my associate's degree, and at 20 years old, I was on my, on my own with a well-paying job. I continued to party, 
like I did at the end of high school and college. I've done a lot of things I am not proud of. Excessive bin drinking, lots of fights. I know I'm short, but. <laughs> Meaningless hookups, watching porn. In 2014, I met what would turn out to be my ex-wife at a bar she was working at. We married a couple years later and had a marriage that was basically built off of lust. I had two teenage stepkids and we didn't agree on how to parent them. We realized that we really did not know much about each other and some things about ourselves were hidden from each other and we had a very toxic marriage. After two years of marriage, we decided divorce, to divorce. I've now been divorced for one and a half years and ended up going back to my old ways of meaningless relationships and partying on the weekends. I often asked God when he was going to introduce a good woman into my life. Then I realized that God had not brought a nice godly woman into my life because I myself was not ready for that, nor did I deserve it. I knew I needed to change and have tried a few times to follow God, but not with true conviction and have ended up falling back to my sinful ways. Then one day, I woke up around three in the morning wide awake. I made myself breakfast and while sitting there at the dining table, I remembered about seeing a flyer for Outfitter Church. This just so happened to be a Wednesday morning and I told myself right then and there that I would attend church that night. After listening to Pastor Tyler talk and how much Jesus has messed up his life, as he puts it, I knew I wanted that feeling and I wanted to change for real this time. During that service, I said a prayer to myself telling Jesus that I need him in my life and I cannot do this without him and that I wanted to follow him. A couple days later, I sent Pastor an email that I wanted to learn about becoming a member and follow Jesus. I now believe that it was God that woke me up that morning to remember Outfitter Church. Since saying that prayer, I have been so incredibly blown away by the things that Jesus has done in, through me in this short time. He's taken away my urge to party and chase girls. I've been so incredibly happy these last few months, and it's something I have never felt before. I'm loving meeting and getting to know my church family at Outfitter Church. Since the short time following Jesus, I have had several people comment that I have something different about me, and I know that that is Jesus working through me. Recently, God has brought a very godly Christian woman into my life, and although we do not live in the same town, we have spent every night FaceTiming for hours and getting to know each other and talking about our relationship with God. I have found that honesty has been my friend and that with Jesus in my life, I am happy no matter what.
I now enjoy reading my Bible and enjoy learning more about the Word every day. <laughs> I know that this is how I want to spend the rest of my life. I, b I believe I am living proof that Jesus really doesn't care about what you have done in your past and that his endless love is for everyone to have as long as you put your faith in him and follow him. with this with Trent and in Wyoming I'm learning that uh, people don't ever want to ask for help um, I had a guy I asked him to help me and he immediately asked me to help him with something but he said I needed your help but I wasn't going to ask you until you needed something back and so I'm learning that Wyoming is a different breed um, even the ladies too everyone's tougher than me here so I'm, I'm, I'm working on it okay guys <laughs> But one of the things about it is, is that people in Wyoming don't want attention or like they don't need your approval and they don't want your praise. And so I kind of had to go seeking out to see because he'd been coming every week and he was like helping with teardown. And I was like, where are you at? And he's like, oh, I believed. I'm like, when? He's like, oh, I sermon a while back. I prayed. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm saved. I was like, you should have told me. He said, eh. I did. I am now. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so, so I'm learning that, uh, that the men and women that, that make professions of faith, sometimes they just want to, they're not, it's not that they're hiding it. It's like, well, what, I'm not important. Why would I, why do I need everyone's approval? You know, why do I need everyone's praise? And so um, I, I was super grateful when you came to me and told me that you had uh, repented of your sins uh, and followed Jesus. And so uh, here's where we do our question and answer. Okay. Trent, have you repented of your sins and followed Jesus? Yes. And do you commit to following him all the days of your life? Yes. Trent, do you make a covenant with Outfitter Church to be discipled by us and to make disciples with us? Yes. Church, do you make a covenant with Trent to disciple him and to help him make disciples with us? Yes. yes. Amen. All right, brother, if you want to have a seat. All right, let's scoot up this way or else I'm going to hit your head. There we go. Okay, Trent, I baptize you, my brother, because of your public profession of faith in Christ Jesus. Um, I baptize you now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, buried in likeness of his death. Oh. <laughs> Raised to walk in new life. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead in your trespass and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit non, now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out our carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and those thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespass, you are saved by grace. Hello. 
So I'm going to start off. Um, I was raised in a Lutheran family. I was raised in a Lutheran family. Um, I went with my grandmother to clean our church pretty much every weekend. Um, I heard the good news growing up and uh, thought I was right with God. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I uh, lost some people that were very, very close to me. Um, this sent me down a road where I became very depressed. Um, I was constantly looking for admiration and approval there where there wasn't any. Um, I finally came down to a time in my life where I was completely rock bottom. Um, I broke down and asked Jesus for, for forgiveness for my sin and for what I'd done and what I was going through. Um, I started reading my Bible. Uh, I started following God and trying to follow his commandments and kind of, it, it was amazing how a peace and a calm come over me, helped me work through my depression and, and the things I was going through. Um, it worked to where I've, find, I've come to the conclusion that um, God is a rock that no matter what we do, struggle, fail, um, he will always be there to help us and pick us back up. You can come and hop on in. I got tired of this thing doing a rock concert every time I went down in the water. So, um, Colton, uh, you've got an awesome story. And um, you know what I think is awesome is that the stories we've heard so far is a lot of people saying, I needed Jesus to forgive me of, of these deep, dark sins. And that's definitely true. I needed that. But there's also the stories. Every one of us has sins, right? And they're all deep and dark. But sometimes it looks a lot more like depression and brokenness than it does willful rebellion. Um, but God doesn't create us to be, to be depressed and broken. God can meet us in that pain. And God can heal that pain. And he does that. And sometimes it's not overnight. But he's always with us. And that's what changes the game. Is that you're suffering not alone anymore. What an awesome testimony. Colton, have you repented of your sins and followed Jesus? Yes, I have. And do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Yes, I do. Colton, do you make a covenant with Outfitter Church to be discipled? Wow, my bad. <laughs> to be discipled by us and make disciples with us. Yes. Church, do you make a covenant with Colton to make disciple or to disciple him and to help him make disciples with us? Yes. Amen. Okay, I'm going to turn this off. Colossians 1, 9-14. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might, so that that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we, will re we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin.
I'm super excited, uh, super nervous, but it's all right. A little background on me, I grew up in the Mormon church, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that came with that that I had to work through uh, with God, obviously. Um, so I kind of wrote something down too, uh, because I am going to get distracted, and I'm going to get nervous, and I'm going to go, oh gosh. But anyways. <clears throat> Even though I served and obeyed a religion that denied Christ's death on the cross as being enough to reconcile us to him, he still searched me out and called me to be his child. I'm here to say that the love that he has, sorry, <laughs> and offers each one of us is everything and more that you could ever desire in this life. <clears throat> Uh, thank the Lord I had a crisis of faith um, towards the end of high school in that religion. I was searching for a lot of answers that I couldn't get answers to. Um, he directed me to read my Bible and put people in my life that just testified over and over. You don't, you don't have to earn your salvation. You just got to believe in Jesus. And it was just, that was such a huge thing to comprehend. Um, when you're told all your life that you're not good enough and you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this and Jesus is only enough after you've done those things and that is just a lie. Oh, anyways, <clears throat> ever since coming to know and accept that Jesus is enough and denying that tradition and that indoctrination I had been hearing my whole life, he called me to be his child, and his peace and his love just enveloped my life, still does. It's, oh, I'm getting all shaky here. <clears throat> Please accept that gift he's given you. It's going to change your world. I still struggle with that in my heart. But I know that because I choose Jesus, I'm going to be all right. And that's all I got to say. I got the uh, special blessing of being able to go to Cody, Wyoming with Lindsay Ann Colton. And we got to go worship with the Cowboy Church up there a couple weekends ago. And, and on that trip is when I really got to ask you um, about your salvation story and, and about what the Lord has done in your life. And, and yours is a very powerful one. Um, I mean, anytime anyone turns from their sins to follow Jesus. That's the resurrection power. It doesn't happen by our own means. Um, but what a beautiful testimony of God's grace, even when we're a part of a religion that is denying him. Praise the Lord for that, um, for your salvation. And, and so, Lindsay, I ask you, have you repented of your sins and followed Jesus? Yes. And do you commit the rest of your life to enjoy his grace and peace and follow him all your days? Yes. Amen. Do you make a covenant with our church uh, to be discipled by us and to make disciples with us? Yes. Amen. Outfitter Church, do you make a covenant, which is a deep promise, with Lindsay to disciple her and to help her make disciples with us? Amen. Amen.
test one, two, test one, two. Is it on? I think it's on. I've never preached barefoot with wet pants. And I think it will help me stay on time. Because it's a little chilly up here on this concrete. It's also going to make me a little bit more boring than I'm used to because I like to move. You know, this is a great problem to have. We've got Bibles, testimonies, everything up here. Church, is that not amazing? Yeah. As I think about everyone in life has a hard time. And everyone in life at some point is searching something to fulfill them. Whether that be a job or um, your family loving you, creating a good legacy, everyone is searching. Why is that? Because God has created you to worship Sometimes, though, we fill that void and that desire to worship, we fill that with things that are less than. As, as someone once said in history, we have a God-shaped hole in our hearts. As a famous Christian, Augustine said, our hearts are, oh dang, come in, I done forgot it. Our hearts are restless until they find you, Lord. And so all of you, all of us, myself included, we are all worshipers. But what is it that we're worshiping? Turn with me in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. Let me see real quick. Let me see what time it is. Okay. Had to get a quick time check. Luke 14, verses 16 through 24. Then he told him, a man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited, come, because everything is now ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a field. So the first one says to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. And another said, I just got married, and therefore I am unable to come. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city, and bring in here the poor, maimed, blind, and lame. Master, the servant said, What you ordered has been done, and there's still room. Then the master told the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and make them come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of these people who were invited will enjoy my banquet. Church, this is a parable, a story, a metaphor, an illustration. And what is happening is this, is Jesus is telling the story that God 
God is the one who has prepared the banquet and he has invited us to come and yet we say I'm too busy I just bought some property I don't have time for Jesus I just got a new house I don't have time for Jesus I just got married and I don't have time for Jesus fill in the blank church I don't have time for Jesus but what we see is the graciousness of this God that he then commands the servant to go out into the alleys into the streets and bring every single person with a beating heart in their chest says bring them to this banquet someone's gonna have to enjoy it and he says master that's been done but there's still room there's still food left there's still seats left and he says then go out to the highways and the hedges and bring in everyone you can. And so guys, I cannot stress this enough. God has done everything. And if you have not thought you've heard from him before, let me tell you, not from my voice, but from his word, you're hearing from God tonight. He is saying, come. I've created a feast for you. I have a family for you. I have a purpose for you. I've done all the work. I've done everything. I've sent the invites. I've made the table. I've cooked the food. I've opened the door. Now all you have to do is come. In the book, American Buffalo, by Stephen Ranella, he tells a story of drawing a buffalo tag in Alaska. Only 50 in the entire world get drawn. And he was one of them. And he got a, t he got a letter from Alaska, Fish and Game, that said, you need to do some legwork. It's hard to get public access. So he looks at a map and he realizes that a private corporation owns millions of acres and they're strategically alongside the river, blocking off all the public access. So he had to pay lots of money, fly by plane, find a river branch that went in through the private land because you could walk on the water line, the high water mark. You could walk along the bank. So he had to find this little finger that went through the private land into the public so that he could access it. It took lots of months of studying, lots of money, lots of hard work. And guess what? He's one of the only people that has gotten to kill an elk or sorry, to kill a bison, a buffalo on public land in Alaska with a public draw. What I'm getting at is that if you're going to follow Jesus, there's going to be some obstacles. The Bible says that narrow is the way, or wide is the path, and easy is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road, and hard is the way that leads to life. Dad gummit, it doesn't matter how easy your life is, what does it gain you if you have an easy life and a great life, but then you die and you go to hell? What did that gain you? God is saying, yes, it's a narrow road. Yes, just like that hunting story, it's going to take lots of work. But I promise you in the end, when you see it all finished, you'll say it was worth every single blister. It was worth every single uh, ache and pain. It was worth every single stumble and fall because now I have gained Christ. He says, I've made a banquet. Come. 
So my question to you tonight, church, I know that if you're a member of our church, I know that you've repented of your sins and believed the gospel, but if there's someone here tonight, I'm, I'm talking to you, why won't you come home? Or maybe will you? Will you come home tonight? Will you return to your father that you've walked away from? Will you come and enjoy the life that he's called you to enjoy? Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's all sunshine and rainbows. But it means that the God who created you is with you forever. And then in the end, you enjoy him forever. If that's you tonight, I'm going to ask you to call out to Jesus and ask him to let you come in. So if you will, close your, head, close your eyes and bow your heads. If tonight you said, man, I heard those stories and I want that. I want Jesus to change me. I want Jesus to heal my brokenness. I want Jesus to give me the power to overcome my sin. If that's you tonight, whether you're in here, whether you're watching this live stream, I'm going to ask you to come home to the Father tonight. And I want you to cry out to God in prayer and pray this after me. God, I want to come home. You've done all the work. You've opened the door. I want to walk through. I know Jesus died for my sins. I know he rose from the dead. Please forgive me of my sins. Give me your strength and heal my brokenness. I want to follow you all my days. I give you my life, God. I'm glad to be home. I love you, Father. In Jesus' name. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, there's a card in your chair with a pen. I'd love for you to write your name on that card. Check that box that says, I decided to follow Jesus. We've got a box at the back. It's a wood, a red wood box. Drop that in there. And we'll talk to you about your next steps in faith. And about your baptism. And about what it means to follow Jesus. We will welcome you to the family. Let me pray for our church. Father, as we prepare to take communion, I ask that you would just bless this time. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for these beautiful stories, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we prepare to take communion, I want to do a quick explanation. I'm also going to give a quick apology that we're running a little bit late. It's at this time, I meant to welcome you guys earlier. We have our, our barn, bar, <laughs> bar none. We have our bar none fire department here with us tonight. And so if you would, church, give them a round of applause and thank them. Amen. Amen. And so I know that you guys have training tonight. We're going to do communion, and then we're going to wrap up. We may be about 10 minutes over. So if you guys got a dip, I understand. Um, but thank you for being here. We are incredibly grateful for you. Uh,
when it comes to communion, if baptism is the front door to the church, then communion is the family meal. And so in communion, what we do is we look, so that's, that's the first thing we see is that if baptism is the front door, then communion, the Lord's Supper, is the family meal. Okay? Now, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to mention some other things that are significant, and then we'll take communion. Verse 23. 1 Corinthians 23. Sorry, 1 Corinthians 11, 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. He also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way and let him eat the bread and drink the cup for whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you and many have fallen asleep, which is a euphemism of died. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we... But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. I'm going to stop there. In communion, we look back, we look inward, we look outward, and we look forward. We look back to the cross that Jesus says, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which is poured out for you. So we look back. Then it says we look inward because we don't want to drink the Lord's Supper or take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, meaning living a lifestyle of sin or in a disobedience to his commands. And so we look inward. Is there any remaining sin or disobedience in my life? Then we look outward and we judge our church. Not in the like, oh, I'm, I don't like so-and-so judge. What I mean like a genuine like judging, are we doing well with the Lord? And so we examine the brothers and the sisters and make sure we're doing okay. And then we look forward. Because Jesus says, I'm eating this meal with you now and I won't eat it again until I have it with you in my kingdom. And so we look forward that today is not it. We got tomorrow coming. That we get to be with Jesus forever. And we get to eat meals with him. We get to worship him. It's going to be amazing. So we look back, we look in, we look out, and we look forward. And it's at this point, any time the Bible, perfect, authoritative, and inspired by God, tells you that if you do something in the wrong way, you might get sick and die, I think it's my job as a pastor to warn you as well. And so, who is communion for? Communion's for the family. Communion is for those who have repented of their sins, believed the gospel, and now here's the deal. Because we believe that baptism is a command from Christ, we believe it to be those who have repented of their sins and have been baptized and are walking in a right manner with the Lord. And so that's where I'm going to leave it with you. We do not slap cups of juice out of anyone's hands. So if you decide to take communion with us tonight, that's your choice. 
Well, what we believe communion is for is for those who have repented of their sins and believed the gospel. They followed the Lord in baptism, and they're walking in a manner worthy of the gospel today. And so I want you to look in. I believe as the pastor, I'm, I'm going to go ahead, just knowing our church, I believe our church is walking in a healthy manner. We look back and we thank Christ for what he's done. We look forward to having this meal with him in heaven. But I'm going to ask our, our men to come forward. And as they come forward, they're going to, what they're going to do is they're going to come to your seats and they'll hand you the communion tray. You can let it pass over you if you don't feel like you're right to take it today or if, if you know that you shouldn't. Um, before you pass those out, let me pray. And then as it comes to you, just either hand it back to them or pass it to the row behind you and, they'll, and we'll just move back and forth, okay? And then once we all have it, we'll take communion and we'll sing and we'll be dismissed, okay? Let me pray. Father, I ask you, Lord, that if there's any unconfessed sin in our hearts, in my heart, God, that you would forgive me. God, that you would forgive our church. We don't take lightly your death on the cross or your resurrection. And so, Father, we humble ourselves and we come before you and we just thank you for your broken body and for your shed blood. Now, Lord, bless us as we worship you by taking the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me read some scriptures. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As you'll notice, there's a thin layer that you can pull back and a big layer. Pull the thin layer back and it will bring out the wafer. Father, thank you for breaking your body for us. That we could be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me Jesus salvation would not be possible apart from your shed blood thank you for shedding your blood so that my sins could be covered that our sins could be covered and we could be forgiven of our sins in Jesus name amen Amen, church. We're so grateful for what the Lord has done. I'm going to ask Ashley to come forward. We're going to sing a, call, a song called Jesus Thank You. We're just going to thank the Lord. Again, department, I know that if you guys got to get to training, you're totally welcome to head out. I'm sorry we made you go late. Everyone else, you're stuck. You can't go. Um, I'm going to ask Ashley to come and sing. And then we'll do announcements and pray afterwards. Father, thank you so much. I know we've come to you a lot in prayer, Lord. We don't usually pray this many times in a church service, but God, we can't help but just thank you. God, I pray that you would hear our voices as we sing our thanks to you for all that you've done, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.